Good morning, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors at King's Church, and it's a real joy to get to share God's word with us. We will still be continuing in our series on the book, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And um, last week, we looked at the first part of chapter one of the book of Philippians. Uh, This morning, it's my privilege to bring to us the second part of Paul's letter uh, to the believers in, in Philippi. I will like us to pray together and then we can uh, turn to God's word. Father, I pray and ask that you would help me this morning as I share your word. I pray, God, that you will speak your word. Would you bring faith and expectation? Would you uh, bring strength? Would you bring hope? Uh, particularly in these challenging times, would you come and encourage? Would you come and lift your people up? I pray that we will be blessed because you came through in the power of your word. I pray that as your word comes through, it will not return to you void, but will accomplish what you desire and the purpose for which you sent it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So Paul is writing. He's writing from prison. He's writing to the church or the believers in, in Philippi. And in verse 19, this is what Paul says of Philippians chapter 1. He says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. It's interesting. Paul Paul continues in this letter, in his letter to to, to his friends in Philippi, to the believers in Philippi. He starts off with an encouragement, with an encouraging word. Paul says, for I know he was speaking with such certainty. He says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul, in in speaking about his deliverance, isn't just talking about his freedom from prison, but actually he's he's talking about his his salvation, God bringing him eventually to a good place. In in chapter 1, verse 6, he makes reference to this good work that God has has started in the believer and indeed in he himself, this good work that God has started and the fact that God will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, Paul comes with an encouraging word and he says that, listen, this will turn out for my, my deliverance and particularly in, in challenging times like these, we, we ought to be certain of what God's word is seeking to bring to us. Paul, the apostle, has complete faith that whatever happens to him will work out for his good, for his deliverance ultimately. And church, I will like to say to us that the same applies for us. This, this is true for us as the people of God. Life brings with it many precious Many of them seem unexpected. They often seem uncalled for. But the truth of the matter is this. We shouldn't fear the outcome of events. 
We should have no fear in the midst of particularly these challenging and uncertain times. Paul speaks encouragement and he says that it will end well. It will come to a good end. He, he reminds us in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. He says, for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. So Paul, in seeking to encourage the believers, he says to them, it will end well. And church, I would like to say to you this morning, it will end well. We can trust in God who calls us to walk with him. Secondly, as Paul again continues to share encouragement, he, he talks about prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit, the fact that these two go hand in hand. You see, Christians or believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need help from God if we are to live through the pressures of life and live for Christ. If we are to live through these challenging times in particular, if we are to go through these difficult times, we, we need God's help. We cannot do it on our own. We, 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 we just won't cope on our own. And so Paul reminds the believers. He, he prays for the church. However, he also asks for prayer. He, he says, pray for me. I know that, I know that your prayers will, will see me through. So he prays for the believers, but he says to them, pray for me as well. Lift your voices and pray for me. You know, church, our responsibility for one another and something for which we depend on one another is this whole subject of just being able to pray for one another. Lift your brothers and sisters in prayer. Even if you don't know what they are going through, lift them up in prayer. Pray that God will watch over them. Paul suggests that the prayers of the Christians will sustain him. Not just that, but the work of the Holy Spirit as well. And so prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit will, will sustain the believer. Paul says that, yes, listen, God will see him safely home. And I want to say to you as well, God will see you safely home. This good work that he has started, he will finish us. He will finish this good work in our lives. Christ will prove sufficient for every eventuality that comes our way. Jesus is enough. Paul goes on, and he touches or shares about his expectations and his hope. He says this, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, will be Christ, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes on, he says, if I am to live in the flesh... That means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. 
on what does Paul base his determination in his earlier encouraging word? Well, I believe it is this, that Christ will be honored in his body. He says that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. What does Paul mean by this? Well, literally, he, he means that Christ will be enlarged in his body. When Paul speaks of this enlargement, he's talking about the greatness of Christ shown in all dimensions in him. And I believe that this is what God is doing in his church. He's wanting to show his greatness in your life, in my life, in your life, and in your life. He wants to show his greatness in every area of our lives. God is really wanting to highlight that for us. This is what God is doing in us. And whether Paul lives or is condemned to death, Paul hopes that Christ will be honored in his body. He says, if he lives, his life will be for Christ's glory. And if he dies, his death will be for Christ's glory. Amazing. Whether I live or whether I die, it is for the glory of God. In life, for his glory. In death, for his glory. It is all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Paul highlights that for us. He's very determined. It's a settled matter. Christ, be honored in my body. Christ, shine in me. Christ, be glorified in me, whether in life or in death. This is what he says to us in Romans 14, verse 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. He goes on and he says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's quite an interesting statement to make. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Later on in the letter to the Philippians, Paul would write about, about gaining Christ. He says about how everything becomes a loss in order that he might, he might gain Christ. And it's interesting, he touches on that here. He says about how to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul basically says, I have gained Christ. Everything is a loss and I have gained the one and only pearl that is worth everything. To live is Christ. Paul is speaking about his progressive experience of sanctification, his growth in grace, becoming more and more like Jesus. And church, in these times, God would want to remind us that he calls us to grow in grace. He calls us to be those who are, are, are passionate about becoming more and more like Jesus every day of our lives. Everything Paul did, he did for the Lord's sake and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus, Paul was nothing. His entire purpose in life was to serve and glorify Christ. Without his grace and power, Paul could not live. And so he stands and he says, to live is Christ. Effectively, my life is nothing without Jesus Christ. Maybe something for us to think about. What is our life like? Nevertheless, 
Paul is also happy to die for Christ. In, in fact, he, he, he knows that he would go to be with the Lord Jesus. There will be no more chains. He was in prison. He was in chains. No prison, no pain, no sin, no sickness, only eternal joy and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So which one shall I choose? Life here or death? Paul says that they are both good. Life here with Jesus is great. Death, he says, is gain. But he has a thinking, he says, he, he, he shows some kind of uncertainty. He says, I don't, I don't know what to go for. I would rather, my desire is to die and go to be with the Lord. But he gives us reasons why he would like to, to stay here. This is what one commentator says about living for Christ and dying for Christ. He says, life means Christ to me. As I more fully know and love and serve him day by day, death means Christ to me when I shall finally possess and enjoy him. Amazing, isn't it? If Paul continues to live, he will engage in fruitful labor. He says, if he dies, he will be with Christ, which for him will be better by far. I want to just pause here and say to us that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, well, the Bible says to us that death is actually advantageous, and the reason is because we go to be with the Lord. All pain will cease. No more struggles. No more disappointments. No more ill health. No more weakness we actually get to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus. So to encourage us and to just say to us that actually as a believer, we ought to view death triumphantly, that we actually get to go to a better place. Not to say that because of that we don't mourn, not to say that because of that we, 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 don't, we don't effectively you know, miss our friends, because ultimately we, we do. We miss people before, because they are, they are no longer there. We miss the fact that we can no longer interact with them. But Paul says to us that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, death is only a passage into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul puts the needs of the believers first. So he says that actually my desire is to to go and be with the Lord, but because of you, I would stay, because my staying, my living, will mean fruitful labor. He doesn't think about just his own needs, but he thinks about the needs of the people he's writing to the church. And I just really would want to challenge us at this point and say to us, let's put other people's needs first. Let's consider other people's interests above our own interests. Paul then goes on to express hope that he will be able to visit the church again. And then finally, he finishes off with some exhortation to be steadfast. This is what Paul says. He says from verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit 
with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightening anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul finishes off this part of the letter. He says, live lives worthy of the gospel. Live worthy of the gospel. Nothing must distract the believers or excuse them from this great objective. It must be their all-embracing occupation, whether Paul was there or not. And church, in these times when we cannot get together, in these times when we cannot meet face to face, I really would want to encourage us, let this be your one and only occupation, that we continue to live lives worthy of this gospel that has saved us, this gospel that has transformed us. Let's live lives worthy of this gospel. Imitate Christ. Lead holy lives. Live like God's children. Preach the gospel with your lives. Why should people believe our, our defense of the cause of Christ if they can't see Christ in our lives? Let Christ shine. Let Christ Shine through you so others may see and give glory to God. Live lives worthy of the gospel. One thing Paul is keen to hear was that the Philippians were steadfast under attack. They were under difficult times. And he says, I want you to be steadfast. One way you can do that is to live lives worthy of the gospel. In order to do this, Paul says that they had to be united and stand firm in one spirit. Now, standing firm can only be done in unity. Remember what God has done for you. Live and grow together in the good things which are our common possession in Christ. You see, before we can contend for Christ as one man, we must be united in one spirit. And in one sense, we are spiritually united in Christ through the Holy Spirit. But in another sense, we ourselves, as we live and work together, must maintain and preserve that spiritual unity. To preserve that spiritual unity, there must be personal love and harmony amongst us. Get rid of personal hurt, anger, envy, and slander that may be amongst us. Ask for forgiveness from each other and grant forgiveness to those who ask for it. Only after this would we be able to contend and work together as one man. So in these challenging times when it feels like the church has gone underground, when it feels like the church has gone hidden, we ought to think through these things. What is God saying to me? Well, God says this, be encouraged because this is just a seasonal thing. It will come to an end. God will work things out for our good. Well, what else is God saying? God is also saying to us that we should continue, whether in life or in death, live for the glory of God. Let Christ be honored in you, whether you live or whether you die. And finally, church, remember, be steadfast. Live lives 
worthy of this glorious gospel. This gospel which is not just the key to the front door, but actually the key to every door in the house, the key to every drawer in the house. Live lives worthy of this gospel as we stand united and firm in one spirit. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. God bless you richly.